This morning, we are going to be in Matthew chapter number five, and uh, I will say uh, uh, today's message is probably one of the most difficult messages that I have encountered uh, to speak about in God's word, um, primarily because of the content of the message, and uh, it's just uh, it's just a real uh, difficult thing. Because today we're going to be talking about adultery and divorce. And I do need to say that um, with these, uh, with adultery and divorce, um, that these two things um, really um, bring a lot of heartache to people's lives. And so the um, thing here behind all of this is not to um, single anybody out. This is not a personal attack on anybody. But we must remember that these are the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is what Jesus has to say about this. And in order for us to be a Christ follower, we must adhere to what Christ has to say about it. And we must follow those words um, to what he says. Uh, I understand that the culture that we live in, a lot of things are changed, a lot of things are dismissed, but it still does not change God's word of what Christ has to say about it. So we're going to deal with those two subjects, adultery and divorce. And um, there's a a few things when I was studying about this. For example, according to a national survey of family and growth that uh, they took in 2002, uh, there is a 43% chance that first marriages among women between the ages of 15 and 44 would be disrupted in 15 years. And according to uh, PolitiFact.com, estimated in 2012 that the lifelong probability of a marriage ending in divorce is 40 to 50%. I mean, this is a reality that we face uh, in the culture that we live in, that people encounter these things, people, families have been disrupted by them, Uh, people have been hurt emotionally, physically, uh, that adultery and divorce takes place uh, in people's lives. So each time divorce and adultery happens, it it hurts and it affects everyone. I mean, it's not just the husband and the wife, kids are involved, family's involved. The effects of that are felt widespread. I mean, it's like a ripple effect and it just continues and continues and continues. I would have to say that chances are probably everyone in here today has experience some type of effect from adultery or divorce, whether it be personal or whether it be through another family member. Uh, All of us have been part of that type of effects. You know, the truth is we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is uh, shattered. We live in a world that Uh, As we go through life, we're going to get hurt. We're going to pick up scars. We're going to pick up bruises. And hear what Christ has to say about this, about how we can navigate through life's waters and how we can avoid life's difficulties. 
I think it's very important that we listen to what he has to say. Because these are the words of Christ, and this is what Christ has to say on the matter. And it will help us as we navigate through life to avoid certain situations uh, that we may encounter in life. So I would like to preface this message with a few things to help us understand Jesus saying when he tells us to abstain from adultery. First of all, I would like to say that Jesus is for marriage. When you read the commandment and he says, thou shalt not, it sounds very negative. But I want to reassure you that Jesus is for marriage. And Jesus believed and taught that marriage is sacred and it needs to be guarded. Jesus is not against the sexual union between one man and one woman for life. Jesus is not against that. In fact, it is part of God's good creation, as he says, and he created everything in Genesis. God says he looked at everything and he says, it is good. Secondly, regardless of what society we live in and what our country says, what is okay, remember that Jesus' words have final authority because these are God's words and we have an obligation to uphold them as such. We uphold them, though, however, in love and in mercy, but these words are what Jesus says. I cannot change what Jesus says, nor will I change what Jesus says about the matter. Thirdly, we must remember that all of us, myself included, are capable of committing adultery. My heart is just as wicked and deceitful as anybody in here today. Jesus, knowing our shortcomings, however, extends grace and forgiveness to all who come to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So when our lives are shattered and broken, Jesus takes all that brokenness and restores them. I want you to know that this church has people from all walks of life. Our lives have been broken and we have found help and grace in the fellowship of, of his word and in the fellowship of other believers. So if you're sitting here today and you say, I've messed up, my life is shattered, I can't find direction, I don't know if God will forgive me, I don't know if God still loves me, I want you to know and rest assured that God is a loving God, a merciful God, a redeeming God, a forgiving God, a personal God, and a faithful God. No matter what the sin may be, it is, whether it's great or small, his grace always exceeds our sin. So with that, I want us to look at these words and I want us to look at them very carefully because a lot of things have been said about what Jesus says and what Jesus has not said. And I want us to get an accurate understanding of what Jesus says about this. So when Jesus says for us to abstain from adultery, let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, we do come to you because we need your help, we need understanding of exactly what you say in your word.
And God, these are hard words. These are hard lessons to take into account and to apply them to our lives because we have been affected, many of us, by these types of things. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to your word, that we would understand the the message of what you're trying to get across to us, not because you hate us, not because you despise us, but Lord, because you love us and because you have a, a, a tenacity, you have a, you have a passion to guard what is, so, what is so important to you. Well, we do thank you for just your grace and your mercy that extends to us every day. We thank you for the fact that your mercies renew Every single day, we thank you for the fact that we are not consumed by your wrath. God, thank you for just your unending love and your your compassion that you have towards us. Lord, please help us as we look into your word this morning and speak to us and may we apply the teachings that you have said to our heart so that we might be a faithful follower of you. We ask all this in Christ's name, amen. So Matthew chapter number five, we're gonna look at these words here, what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter five, beginning verse number 27, Jesus writes, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And then beginning in verse 30, he says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery." Because of the text here, I think it's extremely important to place this text within the context of what was going on. Remember, here is Christ, and he is speaking to a multitude of people, and this is the Sermon on the Mount. Within that audience, we find that there were scribes and Pharisees. In fact, Jesus makes reference to them in the preceding verses, and he says, accept your righteousness, exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, He says, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. So really, this was a clashing moment between Jesus and the teachings of Judaism, the teachings of what the scribes and the Pharisees were teaching on. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves on the outward keepings of the law. They thought, hey, I'm buddy-buddy with God. I got the 50-yard tickets to the... uh, to the football game, okay? They thought that they were the example that everybody else needed to follow. But Jesus here, the Bible tells us that it says that he fulfilled the law. 
Remember, he gave the panoramic view. He fulfilled it. He gave it more meaning to what it had to say. The scribes and the Pharisees says, well, hey, yeah, I'm not doing that. But Jesus says, I'm going to take it a little bit further. I'm going to take you behind the scenes and actually see what the intent of the reason of the law was written. And that was the fact for them to see that their hearts before God were wicked. No amount of all the goodness that they did in their life, their hearts were wicked. And so when Christ here is talking, he is speaking here to this multitude of people and the scribes and the Pharisees who would look down on their noses about everybody else that wasn't keeping the law, Jesus was shifting the focus and he's saying, you guys don't keep the law. You guys break God's law in your heart. The Sermon on the Mount here was a clashing event. So it's important for us to look at this and put it within its context to understand why Christ was saying the things that he said and why he said them, which seems so negative and which seems so hard to hear the things that Christ was saying. So the context of these verses is between the scribes and the Pharisees who promoted a self-religious system of man-made rules and self-promotion versus Jesus' inward view of purity of the heart before God. And that's exactly what God is always trying to get us to see. He's trying to get us to see inwardly of our hearts and where they stand before the Lord. Our sin has separated us from God and the only cure is to be regenerated, to be born again, to have our hearts cleansed from the filthiness of our sin. And this only comes through God's merciful gift of grace. So Christ here is not abolishing the law, but taking it further. He is enhancing it. He is getting to the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is our wicked hearts before God. Jeremiah put it this way. He said, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. So it's important to understand what Christ is saying about all of this with that in the context. So now let's take a look here at what the words of Christ have to say. Number one, Jesus calls us to purity. Matthew 5, 27 through 28, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here's the scene. The scribes and the Pharisees who believe they have kept the commandments of God to a T and are blameless before God. Remember the few instances when, when uh, Christ was teaching and they caught the woman in the very act of adultery and they brought her before the Lord and they said, okay, what are you going to do about this one? And remember what Jesus did? He wrote on the ground, and then he says, all right, whoever has the, uh, the, the sin, you go ahead and you, you cast the first stone. And it says, beginning from the eldest all the way to the, to the least, they all left. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? She says, I, I don't have any more. He says, neither do I condemn you. 
So we got to understand these guys were trying to trip up Christ. They were trying to portray a persona about themselves that they have kept God's law to a T. And Jesus says bluntly and plainly, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know, sometimes the question arises, if I've already committed adultery in my heart, why shouldn't I just go ahead and commit the act of adultery? Well, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to help us avoid. He does not want us to commit adultery. In reality, Jesus is trying to help us to get to the very heart issue. And that is lustful intent that is dwelling in our hearts. Notice the progression in the way that these words are connected. The adultery comes from one who is looking at a woman with lustful intent. And where does that proceed from? In the heart. So Jesus is saying, look, you guys think you're so great, but I want to tell you something. You have committed adultery already. You realize what kind of slam that was to the scribes and the Pharisees as he's saying, look, you've already done it in your heart. Jesus is saying, I'm holding you responsible for what is going on in your heart as well as what goes on in your behavior. This was a slam to the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus fulfills the commandment and broadens the application to their heart. I love the way the message puts it. It says, don't go to bed with another spouse, but don't think you've preserved your virtue by simply staying out of bed. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks you think nobody notices, they also corrupt. Jesus here is saying adultery is a very specific sin. Adultery is a sin that is committed by a married person who engages in an illicit relationship outside that marriage. It is a marital sin and it's to be taken very seriously. You know, we have in here people that have been married 50 years, longer We've had some people in here that have just been married. We have some people in here that are just about to be married. But adultery is a very serious sin. And it needs to be understood that Jesus wants to guard the sanctity of marriage. The person who eyes up a man or a woman that they are not married to and starts to plan how they could arrange something, who imagines in their heart that possibly maybe this could work out, Jesus says you've already committed adultery in your heart. Notice the text. It's not just the fact of looking, but it's looking with lustful intent, wanting what is not yours. Marriage is something to be guarded and to be guarded because it is so precious. You know, you think about your children that you have. Would you ever allow anybody to harm your children? You would fight tooth and nail to make sure that you guarded what was so precious to you. But here in America today, sadly, we disregard marriage as something that it's nothing to be fought for. 
But Jesus says it is something that we need to fight for. It's something that needs to be guarded because it is precious in the eyes of God. It is something that God created, and he says, this is good. So how do we deal with this internal problem that's going on inside of our hearts? Well, Jesus answers that for us in these next few verses. Let's notice them. There needs to be, secondly, callous changes must be made. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 through 30 Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go to hell. It's almost kind of a comical scene that what Christ is saying here, Jesus is not necessarily advocating for the fact of self-mutilation. I mean, he doesn't want us walking around with eyeballs hanging out and bloody stumps everywhere. But you get the picture. Christ is saying marriage is so important. Marriage needs to be guarded. It needs to be preserved. It's so important that you need to be hard on sin. You need to be hard on your body. You know, uh, Evelyn's been starting to somewhat kind of walk around a little bit. And she has this fascination now with stairs. I don't know what it is. But she'll go up to stairs and she'll do this thing. She starts going up to the first one and then she pats it, makes sure it's nice and steady. And then here comes the leg and here comes the, and she keeps, and we see that and we're going, she's going up the stairs. Does she not realize that she could fall? Does she not realize that she could break her neck? And sometimes it's like a zooming across the room to pick her up and say, no, you can't do that. Do you realize you're going to hurt yourself? And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. She doesn't know. But there is a, there is a, there is a, a passion inside of our hearts that we want to make sure that she's safe, to make sure that she doesn't hurt herself. Jesus here is implying the same thing. He's saying, do you not realize that that lustful intent in your heart leads to adultery? And it starts so easily. It starts in the office. It could just be going by that one cubicle just to get that little look, to get that little glance, to get that smile. It could be making sure that you're in the, in the break room at a specific time because somebody else is there. Jesus says you need to guard this and you need to make sure that you're guarding it because it's a prized possession. Notice these things here, what he says. If your eye or your hand causes you to commit adultery, tear it out, cut it off, and throw it away. If there is something that is causing us to sin, then don't do it. The eye or the hand is not what causes you to sin. What is it? It's the heart. And you can't cut that out. So if your eye causes you to commit adultery to sin, Tear it out. Jesus is meaning here, if looking at something would lead you to sin in your heart, don't look. 
If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus is implying here, if doing something that is good and of itself might cause you to sin, don't do it. If your foot, other translations read, talks about the feet. It says, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Means if going somewhere might lead you into sin, don't go there. All these things are different for all of us. There might be certain things that you might struggle with that might be different from me. But the heart of the issue Jesus is trying to get across is it comes from within. It comes from the heart. The eyes, the hands, the feet are just the tools to allow those things to come. So there changes must be made in our lives. Guard your marriage. Be callous about what the eyes and the hands and the feet do in marriages. It's so sad to hear stories of, of people's lives who have been broken because of adultery. You know, I think of David, a man that his heart was with the Lord and, and he was serving God. And it was that one look, that lustful intent David committed adultery with Bathsheba, had a child with her, and then sent her husband into battle to be killed to cover it up. And sometimes you look at that stuff and you're going, this is crazy. How could, how could that ever happen? It begins with lustful intent, looking with lustful intent. And Jesus says, you've got to guard it. You've got to be hard on yourself. You only get one shot in this world. That's it. And once it's over, it's over. We've got to make sure that we are guarding our marriages. We've got to make sure that we are staying pure in that. It's so important. Notice here a third thing, what our text talks about here. Adultery leads to divorce. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 through 32, Jesus says, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I want to make sure that we understand what Christ is saying here. And again, these words that Jesus is saying is not a personal attack on anyone here. Remember, Jesus is for marriage and he wants to safeguard it because it is a sacred union. It is so sacred that God hates divorce. He hates divorce. It's not the fact that he hates people. He hates divorce. Divorce causes so much grief in people's lives. It uproots and destroys what God has called good. God wants two people to reconcile with each other and work out their problems rather than to just find an easy way out. God's intention for marriage was 
for it to be lifelong. One woman, one man, forever. Sadly, divorces do happen. There are things that break a marriage up. So why does Jesus then speak about divorce in the context of adultery and in the context of lust? Well, the truth is, if you control your lust, you control that raging animal that is inside of you, then it will not lead to adultery. If you control those lust issues, you will never be faced with the fact of being unfaithful to your spouse and never need to consider divorce. Let's look at our text here a little bit more carefully. Notice the words here, divorce. Jesus is saying that divorce does happen. He's not pretending that it doesn't happen. It does happen. Jesus knew that. In fact, he states what, he, what Moses said in, in back in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Notice what he says here. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Let me read to you what, Matt, what Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4 says. This is Moses, what he says about laws concerning divorce. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house and if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife? Then the former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. So here, Jesus is talking about, he's saying, look, you have heard in the past, he says, you've heard that if a divorce happens, that you're supposed to give that lady a certificate of divorce back in the times of jesus a man could divorce his wife for just about any reason some rabbis interpreted this uh, scripture here about not finding favor something wrong with her as adultery and said that that was the only grounds for divorce but others said that something wrong with her could be anything from spoiling the dinner to not being pretty as another woman Basically, the two views among the rabbis were, one, the only reason why you should divorce somebody is for sexual immorality, and two, for any reason at all. So when those two choices were offered to people, which do you think they would rather choose? Option number two, right? You did what to my socks? You're done. So by the time Jesus here shows up on the scene, the Jews were divorcing their wives on a whim. The Gentiles were not much any better. The Gentiles that lived during that time as well practiced divorce on a constant basis. The historical writer Jerome tells of one Ro Roman woman who married her 23rd husband and she was his 21st wife. So here, marriage in Rome was become nothing more than legalized prostitution. In other words, you could get married when you found something you wanted, stay until you got tired of her, 
dump her, and then marry someone else. So this was what was going on in Jesus' time. And Jesus say is, look, the lustful intent of adultery leads to divorce. The Old Testament, Jesus says here, is that the husband had to give his wife a certificate of divorce. These were divorce papers. These papers said that she was free to marry any man that she chose. And this was not God's intent or plan. Let's look at this a little bit more uh, deeper here. Let's dig into this. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 19. And I kind of like to put this in the story here because here Jesus is teaching about divorce and then later on it's almost as if maybe the scribes and the Pharisees didn't understand what Jesus had to say about it and in fact they asked him again trying to trip him up. Matthew chapter 19 beginning in verse number 1 says, now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? See, there's the thing. Any cause, spoiling the dinner, making problems. Here's what he says. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Notice this. He said to them, because of your hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So looking here back at our text here, Jesus says that divorce is the result of adultery. When we were uh, moving, I had a, uh, a washing machine down in the basement. Now, prior to us moving, uh, we went and got this washing machine because ours had went out. It wasn't working too good. So we went over to somebody's house who had a free washing machine and we went and got this washing machine. So we got the washing machine we loaded up on the truck. We strapped it down because we didn't want it, you know, going anywhere and falling out of the truck and getting banged up. We took such great care and concern for that washing machine. And then we put it on a dolly, and I had some people help me take it down the basement steps. And I hooked it all up, made sure it worked, and it worked great. It worked probably, what, about a year or so we had it? Well, then the washing machine started not working too good. Things were breaking down on it. And then I started noticing that I'm slamming the lid a little bit to make sure it was working. Maybe I'd shake it a little bit to make sure it was working. Well, finally, the thing quit working altogether. The agitation thing wouldn't even turn. One time, Jamie was in there and trying to do it by hand, and I wanted to give her a rock and a you know, thing, go down by the river, you know, but... But it wasn't working. 
So when it came time to sell our house, we had a broken, busted down washing machine in the basement. I had to get it out of the basement. I didn't get a dolly. I didn't have people come over and help me. In fact, what I did with that washing machine is I shook it over to where the stairs are, and I flipped it over, and I end over end over end over end over end over end over end till I got it out of the basement. Then I threw it in the back of the truck, I didn't strap it down, and I hauled it over to the dump, and I got $3.75 for it. I want you to understand this. Marriage is so important in the eyes of God. Two people have joined and they have become one flesh. And as you go through life, yes, maybe it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. Maybe Maybe some things happened and those things had brought some distraught and some, some turmoil in the life. But that's no reason to turn it end over end and go dump it in a trash pile somewhere. You gotta protect it. You gotta work at it. You gotta keep it safe. Don't allow what may look good on the other side to cause you to depart from what God has given you. I want to give you a few things here because I understand. I, I really do. I understand that we have people in here today that have experienced, that have been a part of maybe on the receiving end of, of adultery. Maybe there, there's been some things in their life that has caused brokenness and has caused divorce in their life. So I want to end this message with God's message of hope and forgiveness for you. If you have experienced unfaithfulness of a spouse or divorce, can I tell you that I am so sorry that you've had to go through that. And it hurts. And I'm so sorry. So where does that leave you in God's plan for your life? I'd like to give you a couple things to think about. Number one, the answer to all of our brokenness and unfaithfulness is the faithfulness of God. If you are a believer in Christ, you have a heavenly father who is faithful to you. He's faithful to you and he's faithful to me. I want you to think about all the times that God has been faithful to you. You know, we let him down again and again and he sticks with us and never gives up. That is faithfulness. So if you've been through some brokenness in your life, I want to remind you that even though other things around your life may have crumbled and they have fallen apart, God is still faithful and he is for you. He's not against you. If you've been through a disappointment with unfaithfulness or possibly you have been unfaithful, may I invite you to be like Christ. Follow his example. Be faithful to your spouse. Be a reflection of God's faithfulness through your marriage. Secondly, God's love is not based upon how much we can do. God's love is an unconditional love. And it's an unconditional love towards his children. There is a possibility that you might be feeling or have felt that you have failed and have nothing to give to God. 
Can I tell you that you are in good company here? Jesus' words in the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those who feel like they have nothing to give to God. When brokenness comes and unfaithfulness comes in our lives, sometimes we feel very inadequate, like we don't have anything to offer back to God. So those who feel that they have failed and have nothing to give God, can I tell you that God's love still extends to you. It is for people like that that Jesus came. Remember the context here, the scribes and the Pharisees who were looking down on everybody else. Jesus is saying, look, I didn't come to heal those that don't need a physician. I came to bind the brokenhearted. I came to heal those that were suffering, those that were going through life's difficulties and felt like they had no way out. If you relate to this, Jesus promises you real comfort. Through Christ, we can enjoy the forgiveness of sins and find comfort through the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, you thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask that you help us as followers of Christ that we will safeguard our marriages. God, help us not to allow lustful intent into our hearts. Help us to tear out our eyes and cut off our limbs and things that are leading us to places that is not good for us. Help us to abstain from adultery and help us to not entertain thoughts. Help us to safeguard what is so precious. God, I pray for those that are broken. I pray for those who are hurt. God, may you bind them. May you help them. May you heal them. May your Holy Spirit bring true comfort in their lives. And God, may they realize and see that you have such a wonderful plan for their lives and that you are not through with any of them because we are your children. Thank you so much for your love for us. And we ask all this in Christ's name.